Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio, a show just for teens, their parents, and educators to come together and discuss the issues that are affecting our youth today. Your host is Brandy England. Brandy is joined each week by amazing guests, as well as a regular panel of co-hosts who are here to give you ideas and encouragement every step of the way. We also have plenty of other surprises on today's show. So let's get started. Here's your host, Brandy England. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio. This is Cass. This is Sarah. And we are joined this week by... Silas. And we're going to be talking a little bit about anxiety. Yeah. So it's something that a lot of us struggle with in our day-to-day life. It can be really overwhelming. And that's why I wanted to bring Silas in this week because he has some experience helping people through it and talking with clients and going to high schools and really helping people manage this in their life. So Silas, do you mind talking a little bit more about that part? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, For me, I got interested in it because I was extremely socially anxious growing up. Um, And so that was pretty much controlling my day-to-day life, uh, trying to manage that anxiety and trying to unravel it and get free from it um, because it was pretty debilitating. And then I spent seven, eight, nine years studying everything from meditation to hypnosis to various forms of psychology and body work and this, that, and the other thing, Um, trying to find some peace of mind that I could live in more of my day and more of my life and um, live a nicer life that way. Uh, Over the years, I've found some things that really helped me, which I'd love to share today. Um, And that's what I share with my clients now. You say clients. Tell us a little bit more about your work. Um, when I, I, I like connecting with people about this. Uh, it's very dear to my heart as it's a personal path. And so when I connect with people and it resonates with them, sometimes I end up working with them. Um, that could be anything from an artist to a teacher to a personal trainer to any, like anybody, any walk of life who feels like they're up against their own mind, up against anxiety, and they're not really sure what to do with it. So would you say that a lot of your clients are quite diverse in who you're helping? Like anxiety, you would say it comes up in every person in every walk of life. I I think that that's one of the misconceptions about mental health and mental illness is that you can tell from the outside who it might affect and who it won't. And I think that it's a human thing, and I think it is what levels the playing field across all walks of life, um, genders, everything. Uh, yeah, it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now you were talking about this idea of mental illness and mental health and that split seems very clear to you. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah. Can, can I share a little bit of my own story? Please. I came in? Yeah. Um, I, I sort of identified my difficulty in life and I gave it the title of social anxiety um, because it, it matched that. And I was completely fixated for years on this thing that was social anxiety that was layered over my entire experience. And uh, uh, probably five or six years ago, one of my teachers put out a talk in which he pointed to the source of that being my own thinking, which 
kind of on the surface sounds really obvious and almost overly simplistic. Um, but I, I had never really seen clearly that I wasn't anxious about people or about my job or about walking down the street. I was only anxious. I only had anxious thinking and it was really independent of those things. Um, and so when he pointed to that and when I saw that, I fell out of that anxious thinking for about two weeks and forgot that I was supposed to be socially anxious. And I just walked around in life without this layer of anxiety. And two weeks in, I went, oh my God, I haven't been anxious for two weeks. Where's my social anxiety? I'm supposed to have this mental illness. I'm supposed to have this problem. And I fired it back up again and I was right back in it. Um, and what that experience showed me was what I was looking for was not social anxiety plus a solution. I, I had assumed that I was broken or that I had this problem and I needed to add something to it. And what I saw was what I was looking for, which I would have described as confidence at the time, was simply a lack of anxiety. It was a natural state that everybody would be in if they didn't add anxious thinking to the situation. And so that pointed to a simplicity in the solution that I had never, it had never even given it a chance that it could actually be that simple. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy and it doesn't necessarily mean that I can control getting anxious thinking or not, but it meant that I was never any distance away from not feeling anxious because your thoughts change all the time. And if your thinking changes from anxious thinking to not anxious thinking, you're no longer anxious. And, and that's not, and it's, this is kind of a, it's a funny place in the conversation because it's not really up to us, but understanding that relationship and understanding that what we're up against is the flow of thought in the moment changes the things that make sense to do about it. So for instance, before seeing this, I thought it was my job to manage my thinking. And so I would spend every waking minute, minute looking at my anxiety and going, what should I do about it? Should I breathe better? Should I do this? Should I change my body posture? Should I, am I eating right? Am I sleeping right? And innocently, I was feeding this anxiety 24-7. I was obsessed with the anxiety. Um, so you were trying to sort of stop yourself being anxious and control the feeling that you were having rather than just acknowledging that you were feeling it? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 there's, there's, and, it's, and it's a funny thing with like acknowledging that you're feeling it. Um, like what, what happened when I stopped feeling it was I didn't even acknowledge I felt it. It just stopped. Mm. So it wasn't even that step. So like there were no steps to it ending. Like the, the thoughts just left on their own. Mm. Um, and so that meant that there was nothing for me to do to get to where I wanted to go, which really cleared up my schedule because it was all I was doing before then. Um, uh, and so the difference to me between mental health and mental illness is everybody has the capacity to have a clear head and everybody's head clears naturally when we stop messing with it, when we stop feeding it, when we stop giving it attention, when we stop trying to do something with it. Um, and when we turn our attention towards that and we value that and we open ourselves up to that, 
instead of paying attention to the anxiety, paying attention to the depression, paying attention to what we're trying to get rid of, it's a fundamentally different orientation. Um, and it's an orientation that for me and the people I work with, um, helps me. It's what to me set me free. Um, and I tried a lot of things before, which may have given me temporary release or a relief. Um, but it never really gave me a sense that I was actually okay. Mm. That's very deep. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of concepts in there. Yeah. I, I feel like what I took away from that, even if it was a small section, uh, <laughs> it was this idea that your thoughts are such a big part of this anxiety that can form in you. And if you, it almost seems like you found a way to almost separate yourself, but come together. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Please yeah. finish my thought for me. <laughs> so the, the experience of having the anxiety leave me, mm-hmm. but me still be there meant that I wasn't an anxious person. Right. It meant that I wasn't the anxiety. So you're exactly right that there, there became this separation between myself and the anxiety. The anxiety would come and go, but I would remain. And so when it came, it didn't mean I was anxious. Mm-hmm. And when it left, it didn't mean I was an anxious person who was having a relapse into not, not being anxious. And it was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. So it was a fundamentally different framing of the whole experience. Whereas prior to that, I was anxious. And when I wasn't anxious, it was almost like an accident. Okay. And I was waiting for the anxiety, which was more real than not anxiety so to come back. So would you say that a steps along this was to be just more comfortable with the anxiety that you have? Yeah. So a, a side effect of seeing that it was a thought that was coming and going meant that it was less of a big deal when it came. Mm-hmm. And it meant that I wasn't worried about it coming back when it was gone. So, um, I think what I'm curious about was, does it feel like there was this like step program that you took or was it just kind of a realization one day? So is very much a realization, mm-hmm. um, which makes it very funny to share with people because everything else people learn is a concept that's built on a concept that's built into a structure that you understand. Whereas with this, you're seeing what's already true. It's like you're seeing what's already right before your eyes um, without having to do anything. Mm -hmm. But you do have to let go of all your ideas and concepts and things that you think you know already in order to see something new. So... It's tricky because sometimes I'll work with somebody for half an hour and they'll really get something. They'll see something. And sometimes you'll work with somebody for two months before they actually have an insight and everything prior to the insight. It's like, you know, it's a nice conversation, (laughs) 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 but it's not really the change that that is like a fundamental shift in your experience. Mm -hmm. Sounds like there's a lot of working at the individual's pace and, you know, kind of your mileage may vary for each person that goes through that journey. Absolutely. And I love the way you said that is it's, it's matching. It's like going to where an individual is and respecting that Mm. and going at whatever pace they're going at. Um, 
Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, which is sort of a, a an important part to remember um, that people aren't going to make that change until it feels right for them. Yeah, it's very easy to put ideas on people of like, but it's this easy, but you could mm-hmm. just, and, and that's lacking an understanding of the person's experience and like what, what's real for them and mm-hmm. what they're experiencing. I think it's time for us to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about mental illness versus mental health and some coping skills. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for sticking around. We're talking a bit about anxiety this week with our guest, Silas. And um, I thought I would just take a little bit and talk about my experience with mental health and mental illness because I think I I see probably uh, the same kind of people that you see in your work but in a different context. 
because um, I work in or I volunteer in crisis intervention. And so a lot of what I see is people who are in a uh, personal crisis and a lot of the time a mental health crisis. Um, and I, I basically do the immediate um, crisis intervention and then often direct them to people just like you who can sort of help them further. Um, and I think the, the distinction between mental illness and mental health is super important here. And I'm, I know it's, it's important in your work and I find it's um, a, a good thing to touch on with the people that I talk to as well. Because um, mental illness affects people it, sort of it, um, you can have a mental illness and some people do have mental illnesses and some people don't have mental illnesses but everyone has mental health. And even if you don't have um, specifically depression or anxiety or, or a diagnosable mental illness, you always have mental health that you need to take care of. Um, and so I, I find myself guiding people through that distinction quite a lot in um, my work because so many people will find themselves experiencing poor mental health and feel like that's not valid because they haven't been diagnosed with a mental illness. Um, do you have experience with that? Yeah, it's actually really funny. This is why uh, my podcast started, mm. was this conversation, uh, this exact conversation. Uh, the... First of all, I'd like to say that I love what you said, that everybody has mental health. Yeah. I 100% agree. Uh, even the most extreme cases have moments of clarity that mm -hmm. come through, and you can see where you're like, oh, there you are, and then yeah. whatever comes back in. Um, as far as diagnoses and sort of the permission to have the experience you're having that you get with the diagnosis, uh, it's... It's a really interesting topic to me because on one hand, you do have this like permission to have your experience, which I think is mm. really important. I think that you can't be wrong about the experience you're having. Mm. And I think that that's, it's not a positive thing when we think that like you're not supposed to feel certain things in certain contexts or, um, yeah. And anything like that, it's like there's no wrong way to be going about it. On the flip hand, on the other side, when you do get a diagnosis, there is the possibility that you identify with it. And there's, I could talk about that for hours. Yeah. It's like the, the downside of that. Yeah, which can also be helpful for some people. Having a, um, a diagnosis often opens the door to a community of other people who are going through the same things. Um, so they can, I, I see where you where you're coming from with that. It can be a double-edged sword. It can mm -hmm. be immensely helpful, and it can also be um, immensely harmful if if kind of it, it becomes the only thing that you're focusing on. Um, what I was meaning with regards to mental health is that um, kind of if you if you take mental health as regard similar to physical health. Um, you can your mental health, even if you don't have a mental illness, can be good or poor on any given day. And um, 
yeah, not not having a diagnosable illness doesn't invalidate any uh, struggles that you might be going through um, with your mental health in general. Like not being immunocompromised doesn't mean that you can never get the common cold. <laughs> so, so not being depressed, you know, clinically depressed doesn't mean that you can never have days where you feel elements of depression. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what you were talking about, about making a point to take care of your mental health, um, yeah, I think could be a much bigger topic. And I think that would mm. be very good for the world uh, that you don't have to go over the line in order to start addressing it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's your whole life is experienced in your mind. Mm. So you would think that you would take care of that, but it's just not an obvious thing because you're a fish in water with it you know you walk down the street and you it looks like you're seeing the street but you're seeing your experience of the street and so the nicer you can make your mind your mental health the nicer the world looks to you mm -hmm. and the clearer you are and the better you function and the nicer your life is so it's kind of this invisible piece that's in everything yeah um, and i think it's it's too bad that it only gets attention when it's really bad Yes. Or often only mm -hmm. gets attention when it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, there's there's so many places we could go as regards uh, mental health awareness. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch really quickly on some coping skills um, because I think everyone deserves and deserves to have access to mental health support. Um, sometimes that's not there and you just have to cope on your own. Um, and... I, I do a lot, I spend a lot of time exploring coping skills with people, um, mostly because um, when people come talk to me, it's because they have an immediate problem that needs to be solved right now. And so a large part of our conversation is either solving the problem, if it's a problem that can be solved, or if it can't be solved, making peace with the fact that it can't be solved and doing what they can to cope. Um, and one of the most powerful coping skills that I learned, um, in past therapy that I did a, a couple of years ago was, um, understanding the trajectory of an emotion, um, and how emotions have a natural sort of a, almost a graph of, of how they tend to go over time. And it's, it's pretty much a bell curve the intensity of the emotion versus how long it lasts. Um, and the point that was made was that if when you are feeling that emotion at its most intense, when you are so anxious or so unhappy, if at that point you try and stop yourself feeling it, um, like we were talking about before, when you try to stop yourself feeling that emotion, what you're actually doing is preventing it from taking its natural course because emotions will naturally come and go. But if you try and force them one way or the other, all it does is prolong the state you're in. So when you're at your most anxious and you're going, oh, I can't be anxious, you know, what can I do to stop myself being anxious? The step that you're missing is going, I'm feeling really anxious right now. Yep, that's what I'm feeling. And this, this sounded so fake, when it was first told to me because I thought it could not possibly be that simple. Um, and I, you know, tried it as, as part of this course of therapy, you know, we had to try this 
and report back on how it worked. And I found that it actually went a long way, just acknowledging and naming the thing that I was feeling and not being scared of feeling it. So going, I am feeling a whole lot of anxiety right now. Yep, that's what that is. And not judging the fact, not going, I, I shouldn't be anxious. I'm not allowed to be. And not going, you know, I need to find something to do to stop myself being anxious. Well, great, I'm anxious again. Just, yep, this is some anxiety. Sure is. And, and that, it's almost like it takes the power away from it. Because it can no longer scare you what you're feeling. And once it's no longer scaring you, that's half the battle. And then you can just let it sit as long as it needs to sit and it'll go away eventually. Um, and it's such a simple concept, just allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling. But I found that in the, the people that I talk to, so many of them, when I float the concept that it's, you know, seems like you're really scared by the way you're feeling. And the response is, well, yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't have a right to feel this way. And as soon as we establish, well, maybe how you feel is just how you feel and is valid by virtue of the fact that you are currently feeling it, that seems to be a wall that they hadn't even realized was there. And once they dismantle that a little bit, the rest seems to go a whole lot smoother. There's this really interesting concept I learned in theater school. Mm. And I know <laughs> it sounds like a weird place to learn anything about mental health. But when you're learning to be an actor or anyone who needs to be vulnerable in front of people, it's learning that your emotions are valid no matter what emotion you yes. have. That being happy isn't better or worse than being sad. It's mm. acknowledging all of them on a spectrum. And I think that really shifted a lot for me as well. And it really made me a lot more open and able to express those emotions because it wasn't embarrassing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that idea of not judging what you're feeling. Um, and for the record, I don't think theater school is a, a weird place to learn any of this stuff because it's like <laughs> the things you learn when you're studying theater, like some of my biggest life skills I picked up in like drama class and then like college theater classes. And it's like, why did they not teach me this stuff when I was like at high school and like, I don't know, life skills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this should be a thing that everyone learns, but no, you go to theater school to learn how to act and a whole bunch of weird psychological stuff that you'll never need. <laughs> <laughs> you just sit in a circle and cry, but yeah. something about it in your core feels yeah. right. Yeah, that's so true though. Like being happy doesn't, like obviously being, being happy is an emotion that makes you feel good and being sad is an emotion that often makes you feel bad but they whatever you feel doesn't change your value or the value of the fact that you are feeling like you're experiencing emotions and that is such a human thing and which particular emotion you are currently experiencing doesn't negate the value of just the fact that you are having an emotional experience mm -hmm. yeah i think just learning to acknowledge where you are is very important. Mm. We've gone so deep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, 
I'll add to that as well. For for myself, I was often uh, part of my resistance to feelings was, you know, I would grow up, and if I saw somebody who was angry, I would think, I don't want to be like that. Mm. Like I don't, I don't like the way that person's being, and I don't want to exist like that. So, if I had any inkling of anger, I wouldn't let it run its course, and I didn't realize that it didn't have to reach my behavioral level. Mm-hmm. Like I could have a very big internal experience and not do anything about it and not let anybody know, not say anything, not yell, not express it. not. And I'm not saying that it's bad to express these things, but I, I just didn't see that I could have a huge feeling mm. and it wouldn't necessarily make me act a certain way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. On that note, I think we need to take another quick break. And um, yeah, we'll be back to talk about um, more about how anxiety manifests. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real. Real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here today talking about anxiety. We've talked a little bit about uh, the distinction between mental illness and general mental health. Um, we've talked a little bit about the uh, some coping skills in terms of acknowledging what you're feeling. Um, and I think, how about we talk about how anxiety manifests? 
because we talk a lot about anxiety, but it's it's very tricky to uh, define by virtue of the fact that everyone experiences it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting concept, especially being the one person in this circle who isn't professionally <laughs> trained. Um, I just, I think it's important to realize that those feelings can manifest themselves in very different ways for people. Like when I'm feeling very anxious, it's like, there's like this weight Mm -hmm. it feels like I can't breathe and it's just, it gets heavy and it's dark and it it reminds me of the asthma I had as a kid. And it's just, I feel like it pulls from all these other sources of insecurity in my life. Okay. Fun fact. When we had that, um, the, the last time we had the really bad wildfires, it was like two summers ago or something. I actually here in BC. Yeah. Here in BC. Um, someone had to call an ambulance for me because we thought I was having a massive asthma attack. Cause I had asthma as a child and then I grew out of it. And I was just like, Oh, what if it's coming back? Like what if the smoke has like triggered dormant asthma? Um, and the paramedics like checked me out. They're like, no, no, your oxygen levels are all good. You're just having a panic attack because the air is so thick that you can't breathe properly. I was like, well, good to know I don't have asthma, but yeah, it's, I genuinely thought it was asthma because it was like the same feeling of something squeezing mm-hmm. and the air is like you're pulling in lungfuls, but the air is not really going in. Yeah. It's, it's a terrifying feeling as someone who has had serious asthma as a kid and it's starting to like, and when I'm anxious and it feels like that, it's like, yeah, it feels like you're drowning on dry land. Yes. Oh yeah. And that can be a terrifying feeling for people. Yeah. Especially when you can't identify a physical cause for it like when it when it feels like it's all psychological like if you if you choke on something you can clear that blockage you can cough it up you know you can physically remove the thing that's causing you to choke but when the thing that's causing you to choke is inside your brain (laughs) you can't (laughs) cough that up (laughs) yeah not at all yeah and that's, I mean, there's the the breathing aspect of it when it feels like there's something sitting on your chest or gripping your chest. Um, but there's also the, like, the terrifying stillness where you, for me, like, sometimes I'll just sit there and there's so many things that I have to do, but I can't make myself move. Because if I make myself move, then whatever will happen, even if the thing that I'm scared of is just that the anxiety will get worse. Um, so there's the either restless energy or, um, the not able to move kind of static paralyzing kind of anxiety. Um, how do you find that anxiety manifests for you? I find I, as far as tension goes, it's generally my throat, my chest. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I would just, my brain would essentially seize up is how it feels when, I like what you said. It's like, I have so many things to do, but I can't move is my ability to spend an entire day doing nothing and thinking about everything is really quite phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) I can can spend (laughs) hours planning and doing nothing. I have 10 things to do, do, but instead I'm going to sit here and freak out about the fact that I haven't done the first thing yet. And then like, well, I don't know what the second step will be. So I need to think of all the possibilities that could come out of the first step plan for all contingencies 
and then, and then, and then, and I never take the first step. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, I don't remember who said it, it was a writer, and it, this really helped me hearing this, and he said, uh, he said writing is a lot like driving in the fog at night. You can only see 20 feet ahead of you, but you can make the whole trip that way. And, oh, I like that. And my, <laughs> my anxiety was often, it wasn't so much, okay, if I take step one, I'm okay with that. It was the unknown of what's going to come out of step one. Mm-hmm. And hearing that, I really sat with that. And that I was like, oh, maybe I can trust that, okay, I'm okay now. And just, just am I okay now? Am I okay mm-hmm. now? But, but take the steps. Because um, otherwise, I would just sit and think. Yeah. And if I was around people, I would, I would, something would occur to me to say, and I literally couldn't open my mouth (laughs) and get it out. And I would just, I would be sitting there just seized up thinking about how they would judge what I have to say and wondering whether they know if I'm freaking out. Yeah. (laughs) So can you tell I'm panicking? (laughs) And I got really good at sitting really still Yeah. because it was like, I was, I'd go into chameleon mode and just relax. So everybody thought I was really aloof. Yeah. Which is, I suppose, what aloofness <laughs> like, is. No, I'm just terrified of speaking. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really, really afraid. So in a sense, um, with that that driving in the fog metaphor, I, I guess one of the ways that you might manage um, that anxiety and that, that feeling of not being able to predict the, the next steps is uh, building up your tolerance for fog. Because if, if you can deal with driving, being able to see... 20 feet ahead of you can you deal with driving being able to see 15 feet ahead of you and um you know getting used to that idea of doing things without being able to see the whole clear road and then gradually becoming okay with the different levels of anxiety and the different levels of fog whereas you know i might be comfortable seeing five steps ahead of me and predicting five sets of consequences but I'm not comfortable with only being able to see four. Can I build up that tolerance for only being able to see four um, to sort of reduce the, the how much of your pool of anxiety is debilitating? I like that as an idea. That's a, yeah. that's a cool, cool direction to look. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, part, part of it is that you never, uh, you never really know. We can trick ourselves into thinking we know. Mm. And we can do a lot of things to try to keep our life predictable. Um, but if you're really honest with yourself, you have no idea one step ahead. Oh, yeah. Like, we, we really don't know. And I think that looking at that and going, okay, well, where does my okayness come from? Um, and I think a big part of it is realizing that whatever happens, you'll be able to deal. Yeah. And, and, and that part of that's experience. Um, and part of that's really looking at like, okay, if worst case scenario happens, is that really the end of the world Yeah. It, or, or am I just making it look that way? That was another thing, um, that I was, I learned in the, the therapy that I did, um, related to depression and anxiety, um, was when, when you're dealing with sort of catastrophizing thoughts and like everything's going to be terrible and this is, this is the worst possible outcome. And that's definitely what's going to happen. Asking yourself, so what? And not in a, you know, so what, who cares, but a, okay. And then what, if that worst thing happened, 
what would I do? Like, how would I feel? What would I do next? And you find that there are some things that you can be, can very realistically say, well, I would be absolutely distraught. It would feel like my world was ending. But if you can acknowledge that that is how you would react to that thing, it takes a lot of the the fear out of that worst case scenario because what is now a scary what if has become something that you already have a response plan to. And so taking the catastrophic thoughts of, you know, everything's going to be terrible forever. And if I open my mouth and say this thing that I'm thinking, everyone at this party is going to think I'm, you know, an idiot. They're going to hate me. They're never going to want to hang out with me again. Okay. And then what, then what would I do? Well, I guess I'd go meet new people and find new friends. Okay. There you go. It sort of takes the, it, it, it sets up a plan for even the most unrealistic outcomes because it doesn't really matter how realistic or unrealistic those outcomes are. That's the thing that you're feeling afraid of. And so even if that thing is actually really unrealistic, having a contingency plan for it makes it a whole lot easier to deal with without putting a value judgment on whether it's likely to happen or not. Like, let's remove whether it's likely to happen. Here's how I'd cope with it. And now I have a plan. I I like the sentiment that uh, worry is what you do when there's nothing you can do. And so, like, Mm. in in line with what you're saying, it's like, well, is there something I can do? If there is, then you do it. And if there isn't, then you realize that you're using or misusing imagination Mm. to scare yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I find that 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 distinction of like, is there a realistic thing that I could be doing? Because I should be doing that Mm. if there is. And and if not, then I'm just really torturing myself by imagining scary things. Yes. And also, I mean, yes, acknowledging if, if the thing that you are predicting, you know, if, if there's a realistic step that you should be taking instead of just sitting and worrying um, and striking the balance between that and not, judging your fears because mm-hmm. um, when you when you assign value judge, judgments of you know you're you're predicting the worst and that's just not realistic um, it's it's similar to that trajectory of an emotion where when you're super scared and you're going you know but this just isn't a realistic fear to have you're prolonging it yeah, I, I, it's a really funny lesson, but, like, the things we tell ourselves yeah. doesn't really help. Like, mm. when you're trying to convince yourself your yeah. experience is different than it is, yeah. I don't think anyone has ever relaxed by yeah. trying to relax, sort of thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> telling themselves you need to relax. Relax, relax harder. It doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's time for another break, and then we will be back uh, for some final thoughts and uh, wrapping up this discussion. We'll see you soon, everybody. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. 
We are real. Real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we've just got a few minutes left in today's show, so I thought we'd um, wrap up with some final thoughts on anxiety. But first, um, you had a podcast you wanted to talk about, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I just started a podcast, and on it, I share my experiences, my experiences from where I started being overwhelmed by anxiety on a full-time basis, um, the little bits along the way that got me uh, looking for something that could help, the things that helped, and then uh, have guests on who have been through similar mm-hmm. things and found some of the things that helped them. Uh, yeah. Just sharing stories. Yeah, so your your personal journey yeah. from where you started to where you are now. Yeah, hoping that it will resonate with people and they'll go through some of the same journeys. Yeah, if, if people connect with it um, and get anything out of it, then it's worth my while. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And am I uh, wrong in knowing that... You're going to put out your first episode tonight? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> I have the best intentions to have, it, awesome. to have it out tonight. <laughs> and when you put it out, what's your Instagram? How are people going to be able to find it? Uh, it will be posted on my personal Instagram, which is uh, S-I-L-A-S dot D-E-E-E. Silas dot D. Awesome. With three E's. Was it three E's? I believe it's three. It might be four. Okay. Just, <laughs> just try different combinations of E's. Three or four. Six E's. <laughs> Pretty sure it's below five. Yeah. 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 Wow. 
trial and error. We'll find you. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out when it goes up tonight. Yeah, tonight. Uh, it'll be up tonight. It'll right? be up tonight. <laughs> We're currently racing to get our podcast up, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> we made a little bit of a bet to see who can get it up first. But I think if it's, I'm going to win if yeah. it's not up tonight. <laughs> this is a competition. Right. Yeah, <laughs> podcasting is a competitive sport. It is. It's a friendly, competitive, open conversation yeah. about mental health. <laughs> Who can talk about mental health quicker and better? <laughs> uh, no, all mental health podcasts are good podcasts. Um, so I think we don't talk enough about mental health and mental illness, especially as it relates to men. Yeah, like there's not enough of a conversation around um, male mental health and men being allowed to experience poor mental health without it being a value judgment. It's very interesting, just even over the last decade, is seeing how much more open people are about talking about it. Yeah. It's so nice to see. Yeah. Because it's not a new concept. Mental health and mental yeah. illness is not a new thing that people have been struggling with. Yeah, but I now mean, yeah. people can finally talk about it. And you just look at the the, the way that how we talk about mental health has changed over the years, over the decades, the different terms that we've used. Um, like I, I remember when I first started becoming aware of um, mental health, um, hearing people talk about um, being manic depressive, whereas now we talk about being bipolar or having bipolar. Mm -hmm. um, and just the, the way that even just in the time that I've been aware of the conversation, terminology has shifted and we've, you know, we're talking about it in different ways um, and more in, in the sense of mental health being an aspect of your general health as opposed to a personality trait or something that you are. Um, whereas, you know, I, I, have depression I might say I am depressed but the the part of me that relates to my interactions with depression and mental health is not the defining thing about me whereas that was not always true mm -hmm. um, with how we relate to people who experience poor mental health yeah I think that a big part in the shift in the conversation that I love is shifting from seeing people who are not particularly nice to mm. other people as just having a hard time. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't think that anybody's mean or violent or it mistreats other humans when they're in a good place in themselves and bringing a level of understanding to everybody in the conversation, no matter what side they're on, mm. um, is critical. I don't think that making anybody wrong, or bad, no matter how really how they've been, mm. um, and having a level of understanding that you don't, you're not a quote unquote bad person. You're not a mean person. You're not an aggressive person, unless you're having a hard time, whether you're having a diagnosis or not. Yeah, you're not happy. You're not in love with life. You're not feeling joyful or peaceful. Yeah, and then go out and hurt people. That's yeah. it. Just doesn't work like that. Yeah. You don't bully people if you're having a hard time, or if you're having a good time. Yeah. Um, and I really like that direction of just being more understanding of everybody in general yeah. and that somebody's quote, like a parent personality might just be a person struggling. Yeah. So identifying somebody as blank yeah. um, 
And yeah, yeah that's something that I actually um, encounter a lot in my work. Um, and it's interestingly enough, often from the person themselves is that they'll say, you know, I was, I was so mean to my little brother today. Like I'm just a horrible person. I don't know why I'm always so mean and so nasty when they've just spent five minutes talking about what's going on and having been mean to someone is just the cherry on top that makes them feel awful about everything about themselves. And I come back and I'm like, well, it sounds like you're feeling a lot of guilt about, you know, enacting onto your little brother the same pain that your big brother is enacting onto you. And often they'll kind of go, huh, well, I guess I have been hurt. And I I didn't really acknowledge that me lashing out is not coming from a place of, you know, this is my purpose in life to be mean to my little brother. You know, he is feeling the same pain that I'm feeling. And the fact that I put that pain onto him doesn't mean that I wasn't feeling that pain in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if you take it one step further back, his older brother, he might Mm -hmm. now be compassionate for. So if they're acting out towards him, he might realize, oh, this doesn't mean anything about me. It doesn't mean I deserve this. And you might just need a hug. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. hey, I might not be the person to give it to you, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hugs can change the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just acknowledging what a person who whose behavior you don't presently like, acknowledging what they might be feeling. Um, and and I've, I've found great power in just reflecting someone's emotions back at them in a way that they can, that, that lets them know that, they're being understood. So, you know, and I've, I've done this in real life face to face with people, not in a a professional context, even just someone being really like defensive and like, you know, well, I have all of this, you know, why, why do you think that you can talk to me when I'm not like, it's not an antagonistic conversation, but they seem to be getting a little bit defensive. I'm kind of like, it seems like you've, you feel you've got a whole lot going for you and yet you still don't feel adequate. And they go, well, yeah, like, see, you, you just needed to know that someone understood that you're having a hard time. Didn't you? It's like, yeah, we spend a lot of our time feeling alone in what we go through and taking a minute to acknowledge what someone else is feeling and make that connection of like, I might not be feeling the same thing as you, but I see you. Um, can have a lot of power to, I mean, a diffuse antagonistic situations, but also just just let each other know that we're understood. Yeah, it's it's true. It can be really alienating if you forget that everybody's dealing with something. Yeah, everybody's got something going on or has had something going on, and you're not the only one. Yeah, and. Uh, and if we can, if we can bring that understanding and that compassion first to ourselves and then to everybody mm-hmm. as best we can, you know, you go through the day and somebody cuts you off in traffic and honks at you and, you know, everybody's got something going on. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. you know, it's not really about us. We yeah. take everything so personally and yeah. it's just not about us. Yeah. Everyone's going through something. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on. I think, um, I think that's a good way to sum up the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any final thoughts from anyone? I think it's just important to acknowledge where you're feeling 
what, not where you're feeling, yeah. what you're feeling, what you're feeling. <laughs> what you're feeling and know that it's okay. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Silas. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you everyone for tuning in and listening and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for being part of Teen Wealth Radio. Please join your host, Brandy England, her guests and panel of experts again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an awesome week and we'll see you here for the next show. Okay.